Coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. It's late at night. You begin to hear whispers drifting down the hall. In the bedroom, you find your little sister talking to something in the dark. Something disembodied and scratching on the wall. From unearthly craft above your woodland cabin to grim war summonings gone terribly wrong, we present to you, curious listener, tales of the inexplicable and the unknown. Sasquatch, homunculus, alien races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. Close like, the door, in. Jeremy. Close your door. What's the uh, inner Earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman, Bohemian Grove, magicians are demons, specters, spirit summonings, strange disappearances, sky whale phenomena, yes. alternative history, shadow people. Shh, quiet! I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf towers. I would never talk about. It. That's old. Y2K. Cover-ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to the Belief Hole. I'm John. I'm Chris. And I'm Jeremy. Welcome to be here. Welcome to be here. It's good to have you guys. This is going to be another fantastic Strange Listener Stories episode. Yes. We explore the strange and unusual oddities actually occurring in our real world, shedding a light on some of the unexplained experiences out there. Around every corner. That give us a glimpse into the weird, wild side. All listeners. All listeners. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. I mean, they're, where you're they're going from people that are listening to the show. Yes. These are mm-hmm. all from our listeners. Straight from the horse's mouth. Very true. Very true stories. And it's special, number one, because it is number 13. It is. Lucky 13. Really? Mm-hmm. We're wow. number 13. Crazy. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, we tend to do these every handful of episodes, give or take. We get some other uh, topic that we're really interested in getting out there, but we try to do them fairly regularly because there's just so many stories and they're so fun you guys have sent so many in and we try to get through them all we never will but we do have a listener stories archive that we're building out eventually we'll have all the stories that have been sent in whether or not they've made it on the air but if they have they link to the episodes where they are played so you can hear them in context of the show but without further ado let's get into some weird stuff chris let's do it yeah we got a menagerie of strange it's always a menagerie we need other words i know it's a compendium of strangeness. A panoply. We've used all of these in that order. <laughs> it's a whole lot of them. What kind of stuff, what tasters do we have coming up, Chris? Well, today we've got disembodied hairy hands, spirit-possessed statues, lights within lights over the Isle of Wight, and Michigan Wilderness UFO silent explosions. Weird. And other ones. I'm pumped. Yeah, there's some awesome ones in here. Uh, I'm really excited for this specific listener stories. I think it's just appropriate with it being number 13 that it may be our best yet. And I'm extra excited for this episode because... We've got a story from one of my best friends of all time, Brian King and his lady Dina. Yeah. They'll be headlining the episode. So stick around for that story. Strange skies in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Excellent. Before we go, get ready for spring because we are going to start going out in the field and doing more in the world stuff. That's right. Belief hole on the prowl. 
We are? <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, getting out of the, talking about it forever. We're okay. getting out of the studio. Chris doesn't want to leave. No, it's, it's very <laughs> comfortable. He's and like, he's always tired. Is it going to be bright out? <laughs> well, I have my, my safety buddy. No, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm excited to get out in the world. I feel like I... What is a safety I feel buddy? like I live in limbo out here. Anyway, um, but let's get into it with a story that I thought was super fascinating and ties into a topic we've discussed on the show and actually had listener stories sent to us before regarding the disembodied hairy hand phenomenon. I think we should start with that tale because this one I think will um, sink you right into this episode. There's an odd amount to the actual phenomena being more than just a random listener story coming in. It connects. Mm -hmm. This is called The Hand Comes at Night. This was submitted by Megan Jackson, so thank you, Megan. This happened in the early 90s. I don't remember what year exactly. My family was very poor and we lived in the deep south in a rural area. We lived in a place that could lovingly be called a crap shack on a lot that belonged to some members of our church. Anyways, my sister eight and I 11 were up late watching Animaniacs, which we weren't really supposed to be doing, so we had the volume down very low. After a while, we noticed our sister, six, was whispering to something in our room. We went in to see what or who she was talking to. Our concern at this point was more that she'd wake our parents up and we'd all be in trouble. We all shared a room and me and my middle sister had bunk beds that were set up against the wall. There was a space between the bunk beds and the wall that we sometimes stuck Barbies in and pretended they were flying. My youngest sister was sitting on the floor, looking up at the crack and talking to a long, thin, black hand that had extended its fingers out of the crack and was caressing the wall with its fingers. The moon was out, and we had a nightlight, and it looked like the hand was covered in thin strands of black hair, like a gorilla, but long and thin. It looked like it was caressing the wall in response to what my sister was saying. My middle sister started to scream, and I just stood there mute. Our dog, a border collie mix named Macy, flew into the room and started barking and growling at the hand. Macy was going nuts, and the hand was banging its freaky palm on the wall. Macy jumped up at it, trying to bite it. The hand managed to grab Macy by the collar and was shaking her and trying to slam her into the wall. And I'm screaming. Both sisters are screaming. My youngest sister is trying to grab Macy and pull her away. Macy is making these awful cry-scream sounds. This all happened within maybe a minute, although it felt like forever. My parents came bursting into the room to see what was going on. My dad already had his gun out and started shooting it where the dog was dangling. He fires a couple shots before the dog drops down. It's pure chaos at this point. Literally everyone is screaming and crying. We're clutching Macy while my mom and dad are trying to yell over us and to each other about what's happening. The police end up coming after a neighbor called over the gunshots. It's almost dawn before everything calms down. My parents drop us off at our grandma's house and take Macy to the vet. Macy was fine, by the way, and lived several more years after this incident. Her ear was hit by one of the bullets, but suffered no other damage. We all told our parents about the hand the next day, and my sister revealed that the hand had been coming for a while, when we were all asleep. That's creepy. She said it would crawl out of the crack and just linger there until morning. Sometimes it made gestures or tapped on the wall. My parents kept us at grandma's and we ended up moving all together to a different town. We never had any other supernatural or paranormal occurrences after this. 
I've told a few people this story before, and they all laugh at me, or tell me it didn't happen, or I got confused, etc., etc. The fact that my two sisters and parents saw it gets ignored, but I know what I saw. If you guys or anyone else knows just what the hell that was, I'd love to know. Otherwise, fuck you, scary black hand. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That story gives me chills. Super intense. And just the fact that they find out later that it had been coming there regularly and the littlest one had been interacting with yeah. it. Well, the, it's it, just a hand, right? It's a, a long, black, hairy hand. Like thing? I guess, yeah. In I guess. Adam's family? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Palmer and Poor. Palmer so it hand. wasn't like attached to anything? Not, for sure? the, not that we know of. Disembodied hand. But this is a phenomenon. This is a pretty common phenomenon in the world pretty of strange. strange. In the world of weird. Fred had it happen to him. Good old Fred. But we had a listener, remember... Um, I don't know one Fred. Simon. Simon Von Elbe. Yeah, he said in the story about oh, the, the laser light hand and the cabin. It's like yeah. a holographic kind of hand. Yeah, there is over something. Him. And they come at night. I mean, if you look back through old-timey, I'm just going to say that because I don't know exactly what That's time this right was. Word. Victorian times, there was a, this motif of disembodied hands, like in old castles and stuff, appearing and drawing you into rooms by, you know, curling its finger, that kind of stuff. But we have the famous hairy hand story mm-hmm. is the uh, hands of Dartmoor. You're at the road, right? Right. The road is, it's in the county of Devon in southwest England, Dartmoor. There's a national park there. This is how it's described. It sounds like it's the place where haunted disembodied hands would appear. This is a place in southwest England where Dartmoor ponies roam its craggy landscape. <laughs> Defined by forest rivers, wetland rock formations. Trails wind through valleys with Neolithic tombs. Bronze Age stone circles and abandoned medieval farmhouses. The area is dotted with villages, including Princetown, home to Dartmoor Prison, used during the Napoleonic Wars. So, I mean, it's it's a very eerie place. Eerie. It's far from the towns. You know, it's this just kind of haunted area. But there is a story that people have been witnessing these disembodied hands. They appear in the car, right? Going back in time, they would appear. These hairy disembodied hands would appear while you're driving down the road, grab the wheel, veer you off the road, and cause an accident. Yeah. And people would chalk it up to like, well, they. They had an accident there in shock. Naturally, they're just seeing disembodied hands because apparently that's a thing that people do when they're in an accident. But it's weird that it keeps happening in this area. Yeah. But this is a worldwide phenomenon. I was doing some research online and I found some referencing the Akasaka Weekly Mansion in Tokyo, Japan. Apparently, there's a lot of disembodied hands there. I don't know if it's just a doorway where these hands happen yeah. to pop through, but there, there does seem to be a theme of specifically hairy hands. Yeah. Is there another plane of existence where there's like a wizard's door and all these monkey people- A wizard's door? Are just- Jabbing their hands through and you know paying five pence for the favor. I don't know. I don't know. That's probably unlikely. It <laughs> sounds unlikely. The one particular story, I'm not going to get into it, but I'm just going to reference it. I called it Bathroom Grabber. It comes from Fiona Dodwell, who's a, an author. But her father experienced this in 1950s London, basically just in a public restroom while his friends were waiting outside. And he gets grabbed by this, described as a, uh, he said he felt something grab his ankle from behind it looked almost gray. There was hair across the back of the hand. There's the hair. It was reaching out from beneath the locked cubicle door, grabbing firmly at the back of her dad's ankle. And he was a skeptical guy, but always held certain that this actually happened to him. So there's a lot of stories out there, yeah. specifically with disembodied hands. just very odd. Yeah, we had one too on our It Happened on Halloween episode. Check that one out. Remember, it was almost like a green sort of hairy hand that comes through a laser-like right. doorway to another dimension. Anyway... We'll have some links for more information on that, and we'll do an episode on hairy hand phenomena eventually. <laughs> at, least, days. at least make a blog post about it mm-hmm. when we have time ever to do that. But let's move on to our next tale of intrigue. Let's do it. Uh, this is another very bizarre one. Uh, this one comes to us from Greg. That was a good one. And it is called Of Seances and Statues. First off, quick backstory. Back in the late 1970s, my mother was really into Ouija boards and seances. She used to attend them, and on occasion would have them at our house. When I was around 10 or 11, I was sitting in the family room watching TV. 
with my parents. Tonight, after family, Charlie's Angels face terror. My dad was sitting in his chair by the window. My mother was on the other end of the couch. We had like an L-shaped couch. The end of the couch I was sitting on faced our kitchen. Now, for some reason, my mother had placed a statue in our kitchen. The statue was sitting on the counter. The face of it was towards me. The lights were off. From where I sat, it was maybe seven feet away from me. The statue was off-white, and the best way I can really describe it was almost alien-looking. It had oval, almond-shaped eyes with a smooth, rounded head. There were no other features. It was almost blank. This was about 9 or 9.30 at night. As stated, we were watching TV, and I happened to glance over into the kitchen and noticed a kind of very dim white light or glow around the face of the statue. At first, I thought it was being hit by the light from the TV, but I realized there was no way for that, due to where the TV sat. All of a sudden, I got this weird chill that ran down my back, and as I watched the statue, a face began to appear on it. I glanced over at my mother to see if she was seeing what I was, but she was focused on the TV. When I turned back to look again, the face had formed, and it looked like it was talking. The mouth was moving, but no sound was coming out. I was unable to look away. Then the face changed into another one, then another, then another. Lips moving, eyes blinking, but no sound, nothing. I didn't feel anything dark or evil about what was happening. This continued for just a few minutes longer, then all of a sudden, the last face stopped, closed its eyes, and faded out. I sat there for a few more minutes trying to understand what I saw and what had happened. I looked at my mom and asked her if she had seen the light around the statue. She asked me what I was talking about and I tried to explain it to her. She stated no she hadn't and turned back to watch the TV. I got up and slowly walked into the kitchen and turned on the light to get a closer look at it. Just a blank face, nothing. I moved it over to another table closer to the wall and turned it to face it and went up to bed. The next morning I told my mother what had happened, what I saw. She told me it was more than likely just my imagination and not to worry about it. I honestly don't know what I saw or what happened that night. I can still see the faces moving from one to the next. Creepy. Yeah, super creepy. Yeah, and he followed up with this. He said he didn't know if he mentioned it, but these seances were normally held in the kitchen. And the statue was in the family room, so not directly in there. Because I'd asked him, like, was it part of the seances? So the statue would be about 10 feet away. But he said that his brother still has the statue. Really? And there's a picture of it, John. I don't know if you saw yeah, it. Yeah, did you see the picture, John, the statue? Yeah, I did. We'll have in the show notes for Reminds you. Reminds me of Archive 81. Oh, yeah. Oh, with, I can see the that. Statue, mm-hmm. the statue. Sort of almond-looking alien eyes. Right. Shout out to Tyler and Lois for the recommendation. But yeah, pretty fascinating. He said his brother still has it, and he said it on more than one occasion his brother has felt like he's been watched. And I thought this was interesting while he was watching TV. Weird. It's like, does this does the television activate this thing? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's the, the radio signals, frequencies. It's interesting, too, if there is a connection with the seance bit. So if you spare me just a moment here... I wanted to know if I could figure out where the statue came from, and I found it. I used Google Lens. Oh, you did? And I found the statue. It's called Mademoiselle Pogany. And now this is interesting. So it was designed by, and anyone probably in art history, especially focused on modernism, would know this guy, Constantine Brancusi. Probably not pronouncing that right. 
But he was born in the foot of the Carpathian Mountains. Ooh. Right? Dracula? Full of magic and folklore in that area. But if you haven't heard of him, he's considered one of the most influential sculptors of the 20th century and a pioneer of modernism. He was referred to as the patriarch of modern sculpture. And brilliant guy. He was pretty much like a wizard. He was the one guy in Paris at the time who people thought was like the real deal in the sense that he wore like a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs hat. You know, he made his own clogs. He was like a Gandalf. He looked like a little wizard, pretty much. Did he hold seances? Yeah, I'm getting to that. Oh. Uh, this is how he's described. So we talk about like where this is connected to, who this guy is. And this comes from the Washington Post. He was an expert at enchantments, skilled at transmutations. Of the major Paris modernists, he was the most mysterious. He somehow stood apart from Picasso and Matisse, and then they list a bunch of other modernists at the time in the area. His accent was Romanian. He wore the sort of hat worn by Snow White dwarves. He was twinkling and rooted, not like the other people. But this is where it's interesting. Around this time, with modernism specifically, there was a lot of influence with the occult and spiritualism. One of his colleagues and contemporaries and friends, Victor Bronner, who was also a sculptor and painter, this is where it connects to the spiritualism thing, the, the seance idea. He was also a member of this large community of Romanian artists in Paris. I'll just link this article in the notes, but it says, I just found it interesting. Art preceded reality, and the painter Bronner, who was this sculptor's friend in the, in the same circles, was thus attributed premonitory abilities, being considered clairvoyant at times. Bronner is very familiar and aware of supernatural phenomena because he participated as a child in spiritualism sessions and seances organized by his father. Interesting. Just there a weird go. kind of connection. Now, not to say that this sculpture is necessarily imbued with it's any like kind one of... one friend removed. Yeah, yeah, but it was in that community at the time. There was a lot of this energy. Of course, the sculpture was a former lover of the artists, and he always tried to capture that. Oh, interesting. Her large oval eyes. She was an artist in her own right. Anyways, there's a lot of interesting... Yeah. I don't have time to get into it. We'll put it in the show notes, but it does have some connections to this. It's just that period that was had an atmosphere of kind of occult influence and spiritualism. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, to end this story, I just want to say Greg said, what always struck him was that the statue had sort of a blank canvas-like appearance. So maybe it was just the simple fact of his mom's having seances. And maybe that's a place where the spirits could find that they could manifest on the sort of blank canvas of a face of the statue. Yeah. And that makes sense because the artist was all about elemental approach and yeah. a canvas-like kind of representation of either way form. very very unique tale so thank you for sharing yeah Mike. let us know if it moves again yes please all right let's go to our next story and this was sent to us by trevor and this relates to our actually most recent episode the astral traveling episode this is an obe that leads to a potential past life when i was turning 30 for my birthday my father and stepmother got me a session with a local quote psychic whom i believe to be a friend of my spiritualist slash buddhist stepmother I went into this appointment with little to nothing expected to happen. I essentially just acted grateful and excited for the gift as to not upset my stepmother, and honestly, for the most part, during the psychic session itself, nothing particularly mind-blowing occurred, aside from this woman describing to me how my spirit guide was an older woman whom was standing behind me with her hand on my shoulder during the session. For whatever reason, that actually seemed to resonate with me, which at the time, I attributed to the fact that my paternal grandmother had relatively recently passed away. Anyways, after the session which was conducted at my father's house, I left and went back home to my apartment. At about 9 to 10 p.m., I was sitting on my bed, with my back against the headboard, reading a book about General Douglas MacArthur. I need to mention here that I was 100% stone sober during this event. So I'm sitting, reading the book, when out of nowhere, I begin to have this feeling that I have never experienced previously, nor since. It was as if my body, as well as my vision itself, began to vibrate at an increasingly rapid rate. 
I initially noticed due to the actual words on the page of my book randomly becoming somewhat blurred, and then immediately recognizing the, quote, vibrating feeling. Then, after probably less than 10 seconds of the vibration sensation start, it was as if some giant vacuum literally sucked my soul out of my body, through the ceiling, then roof of my apartment building, and then I began extremely rapidly flying through a blur of light and color as if I was flying like Superman over the earth until I suddenly came to an abrupt stop and slowly realized that I was actually sitting on the top of a sort of stone wall. I was actually straddling the stone wall. I looked at my hands and arms and realized that I was no longer the very white boy that I am in this life and that I appeared to have rather dark pigmented skin. Not quite African, but more akin to maybe Middle Eastern shade. I was also holding what appeared to me to be maybe a chisel in one hand and a stone hammer in the other. I looked directly ahead of me and saw two other men dressed only in the same leather-looking sort of loincloth that I was wearing and straddling the same wall that I was, maybe 50 yards ahead of me. They were leaning over to the side of the wall and chiseling something into the face of the wall. The man nearest me stopped what he was doing and looked back at me. Then he tapped on the shoulder of his companion, and they both stared back at me. Just then, I felt this sort of sucking sensation, and again mirrored the exiting of my body. I came down rather slowly back into my building, ceiling, and finally bedroom. I saw myself sitting on the bed with my book resting on my chest. I descended back into my body, placing one leg and then the other back into their places and then basically leaned back, back into my physical body. Then I immediately gasped for breath, as if I had been underwater or something. I jumped out of bed and ran to my truck to get my psychic's card to call her, because at the moment, I thought that maybe she had done something to me purposefully, maybe like a spell or something, in order for me to have this experience. I rushed to dial her number because from the moment that I came back into my body, I could immediately feel many of the details of the experience being somehow removed from my conscious awareness. When she finally answered, I said, Did you do that to me? She responded, What? I said, Did you make me leave my body? And she responded, Oh, no. I did not intentionally do anything to make you have any experience but I did get a message from your spirit guide during the session that you were about to begin a spiritual awakening. I was just incredulous. I didn't know what to say or ask. I just said, uh, okay, good night, and hung up. Since that day, I have been on a quest to learn anything and everything I can about the true nature of our reality. And you dudes are my absolute favorite tool to achieve that goal. Thanks for all that you do, Trevor. Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, that was a great story. Past life OBE. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like, I mean, potentially. Yeah. Who knows where he went or who, it sounds like he did leap into someone else though. Yeah. Scott Bakula. Very strange. Style. Very strange. Very strange indeed. Yeah. And it was probably important to point out that he did say ahead of this, that before this happened to him, he was very cynical about this kind of stuff. He grew up atheist, didn't believe anything outside of materialism. So this was his first kind of experience like this. Right. Opened him up. Interesting. Yeah. He said, did say that he felt like there was a lot of information that he sort of was given. Downloaded? David Icke style? Kind of, yeah. And then, of course, it slowly faded as he... Like a dream. Yeah, just like a dream. Yeah. That's how it goes, man. Dreams are so weird. 
Mm-hmm. Was it last episode that you were talking about in Otherware where the randomness of dreams? Yeah, there were like different human zones in this yeah. astral plane. And when you would travel there as a living person, there was a dream sort of stage location that people who sleep go to when they're having lucid dreams and it butts up against the afterlife zone, yeah. according mm-hmm. to this author that we really, covered. I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It just feels that way because... Most of my dreams are super random, super, super weird. Right. Are they that weird? Because I think about my dreams and like, I mean, are you like a football? How weird do they get? Like, <laughs> they're you, very weird. Yeah. But they're always you, right? It's always like you're- I mean, as far as, yeah. It's a random things happen. Just totally random, you know, off the wall stuff. But usually I can trace them back to something going that on in my life. That happened in the day life. that inspired yeah. the idea. Yeah. It, it feels like it's almost like your brain is psychedelically washing itself. Right, right. Cleansing all the junk like and processing. Like subconscious that's stuff that sticks in your mind. Mm-hmm. It's like a way to- process everything that's happening but it's just so weird mine are not like that mine at least this year this is like in an office no my, no mine are <laughs> like severance well, mine are like whole lives that are very vivid and very they're practical well, they I make sense too yeah that lately that's all i've had i haven't had any weird ones in by a long the way time. we're not the only crazy ones out there because amanda wrote in listener of the show and she said that she had the same has the same thing dream worlds that she revisits time mm-hmm. and time again yeah people are the same don't change. You can go back and see the same places. Different versions I, there's of the something same town. to that, man. Yeah. There, there are dream realities, I feel like. I have about four like. or five places that I've visited in my life that I can right now in my mind. Isn't that weird how mm-hmm. like most dreams though are like Fade. gone? Yeah. Right. But and some I, you're like, I can go right back places. there. John, that's the difference between your regular dreams and then actual locations you're visiting. In the sense. third locale. I think it might be like a past life that or, could be. or a future mm-hmm. life. We need maybe. to do another dream episode. We did one on the expansion. So sign up for the expansion to hear that, but we should do another dreamscape episode. We do have Nightmare Land to cover at some point. Right. But let's do one more quick tale. Uh, and this one comes from across the pond, comes to us from Ben Morgan. And I call it Lights Within Lights Over the Isle of Wight. Hey, found your podcast this week. I've been binging it massively. But I wanted to share a story that happened to me a couple of years ago. So we go camping in the south coast of England. And near our campsite, there's a path. It's about a mile long and it dips up and down. And when you get to the end of that path, it's just the sea between the coast of England and then just across the water is the Isle of Wight, clearly just there. And um, me and my son one night decided we were going to walk down to the coast, down that mile-long path. And uh, it's dark, so, you know, we're trying to make our way there. There's cows that come across the path and things like that because there's um, fields on either side of the path. And... In the sky, above the Isle of Wight, I see something that looks like the moon pop up from the over the horizon of the Isle of Wight. So it's dark, so I can't see the horizon at all. So I say to my son, yo, did you see that? And he said, no. And then it came up again. So the first time it came up, it was white, but this time it was yellow. And it had moved, from my perspective, I would say four or five meters to the right. So it was traveling from right to left and uh, it dipped down again and he saw it the second time and in my mind rationally i'm trying to think okay we've been camping in this place before i've never seen a lighthouse there what else can it be can it be fireworks can it be can it be the moon i don't, I, I didn't know what it was so we start running towards the coast so we can get a better vantage point because as i said the path dips up and down so we wanted to be able to see it if it come up again and it came up a third time and we were ready for it. And I've never seen anything like it in my life. So it came up and it was red this time. So it was transitioning from white to red. So the third time it came up, it was red. And it had 
yellow lights inside it. So picture the moon with no, you can't see any of the features of the moon, just a red blob, but filled with yellow lights. And um, it seemed to turn on its axis like it was a ship, and then it went down again. And that was the last time we saw it. It blew our minds, both of us freaked out. And then we sat down on the coast and watched the glow it was emitting. So it was behind the hills of the Isle of Wight. It was moving behind the hills and it was casting a glow which was lighting up the horizon. So um, we got back to the campsite and I went on Google Earth to see what was there. Because, you know, there's towns obviously on the Isle of Wight and it's just farmland. So I had no idea what that was. I can still picture it vividly. It was so freaky. Every time we go back there since, we try to see if we can see it again, and we've never seen it again. Um, you know, try to find reports of if other people had seen it. There was nothing there. It was literally the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Anyway, keep up the good work, guys. Your podcast is banging. Awesome, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Wow. Yeah, thanks, man. Crazy. Lights within lights. That's I know this unique. is so American of me, but I love your accent. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone with an accent. So United States of America. Your stories will get priority. <laughs> That's true. Very cool, though. Yeah, fascinating. I always love that atmosphere of camping and then something anomalous occurring. And that vision of him running to the coast with his son, trying to catch it before it dips down below the right. horizon. And then seeing that and seeing this thing, which I think sounds pretty unique, this giant red sphere that becomes red when he finally gets there and then lights inside of it mm -hmm. before it turns on its side and flies away or disappears before their eyes. What is that? Crazy stuff. Thank you for sharing that. Isle of Wight, pretty mysterious place, right, Jer? Frequent sightings of UFOs and anomalous phenomena in the sky over the Isle of Wight. Interesting. And just in that area in general. A lot of witches over there, right? Isn't that the That's idea? the accusation that um, David Icke claimed. Oh. <laughs> following him. Why did you laugh? No reason. David Icke claimed, yeah, the witches were present on the Isle of Wight and all kinds of occult activities going on. I always want to do an episode of, on that kind of stuff because I think that's fascinating. Yeah, it'd be a fun regional episode to do. But it sounds like a strange and beautiful area. I'd like to go myself. Absolutely. What's coming up on the expansion? Oh, good question. I'm glad you asked. Oh, get ready for this. Get ready, John. It's happening. Finally. I have two words for you. Tartar? Worm. Nights. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Jeremy's Crazy Corner, the first ever official Crazy Corner episode. It's going to be fun. I see your skeptical eyes, John, <laughs> but it's going to be fun. And so so that I get this right, so I get you guys uh, interested in breaking the boundaries of what you might think is real. Uh, I know it's a challenge. Um, Do you mean like it's nighttime and there's worms everywhere? What are you talking about? I'm not talking about nighttime worms. Like worm men in night suits. Yes, like <laughs> worm people. In coats of arms. Like earthworm Jim. Exactly. Is that predictive programming? Is that a little information within the... I doubt it. Well, here, I'm, so I, I want to present this as best as possible. I just did a quick write-up I want to read here to get you guys into the mindset of what we're going to be talking about. Regale us, because I want this to be good. I want this to be... It's a, it's a topic. It's a topic you got to handle with, with some gloves, some special gloves. Here we go. You ready? History is laden with strange depictions of monstrous creatures and inexplicable visions and events. What modernity looks on as simply myth and allegory... But what if, in some cases, they were depicting reality? A reality, my friend. Long forgotten or suppressed. In today's expansion episode, we are going to look specifically at some of the anomalous reports and depictions of the medieval class of noblemen known as the Knight. Yeah! Were some examples of this noble class actually monstrous worm entities masquerading as knights in disguise? Probably. Using their suits of armor as an exoskeleton, not only protecting their fragile mucousy worm skin, 
but also shielding their true horrific appearance and parasitic agenda from their subjects. Oh, that sounds interesting. And I would argue, <laughs> yes, that's the point of this episode. Using a Medici Worm Knight statue as a jumping point, we fall down a parallel rabbit hole of alternative history. This is where it gets interesting. Well, more interesting. Suggesting a possible reality behind the myth of turning people to stone. If you cut a statue, does it bleed? Could some stone monuments carried down through time actually be people who've turned to stone? You're going deep. <laughs> Let's dive into some strange evidence of human petrification and explore the possible reality of worm knights, giants, and other secrets of stone. Oh, wow. We're going there. Disclaimer. <laughs> Views expressed in this show are not directly supported by the other hey members man, of the show. If your mind isn't open enough to have fun with these ideas I'm and consider them a little bit, then you're in the wrong hole. That's all I'm going to say. It'll be fun to talk about, regardless. I'm sure it'll be fun. I also argue for those that are like, oh, you're just going to, you know, of course, it's a crazy fun I'll topic. Laugh at you. You'll laugh at me. At the same time, like, I always love approaching a topic as if I can prove it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm mm-hmm. going to do my best to present the best evidence. That being said, I'm, I don't think it's impossible. It's, yeah, what is impossible? Nothing's impossible here. Yeah. But we will use evidence. It just sounds speculation. like a far-fetched idea. Well, absolutely. But it'll be I'm interested to see the proof that you bring. Yeah. All right, we got a break. All right, guys, we'll see you in a minute. Bye. Access granted. Well, let's move further along in this. John, would you read this bit here I call lurking in the dark places? Further night strangeness. Read it in a creepy voice. Like almost like an excited creepy voice. And when the knights were not on a tournament, they would simply stay hidden in their castles, which of course had plenty of dark and moist premises. Exactly what the master likes. In that moist atmosphere, he would finally enjoy the sluggish handkerchief from his lady, which he obtained during the tournament. Of course, these types of creatures use sluggish substances to procreate. There you go. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> right? Of right? course they do. Uh-huh. I mean, sounds crazy, but we already outlined mm-hmm. why that's possible. If you like that clip and you want to hear more, head over to beliefhold.com and hit the expansion button. Yes. Every time we release an episode, we drop another full episode that's just as awesome as what you're hearing now. Check it out. Hello, we're back. Welcome back. I hope you... I like to do something different every time, and Jeremy just always goes, welcome back. That's true. Chris always goes, I hope you had a good break. No, I said, I hope you're excited to be back in the hole of strangeness. That's what (laughs) I was going to say. All right, I'll I'll switch it up next time. Because I'm excited. People like consistency, John. No, not in in a paranormal show. Yeah, they do. It's warm and welcoming. All right, we're kicking off with a banger. This one, actually, I should say a little disclaimer here, uh, because it does involve talk of murder. Ooh, um, sounds like a banger in the mouth. And also it talks of a pastime that we are familiar with from our high school days, which we would not endorse. Uh, and I don't think people still do this anymore, thank God. The passing um, out game. The passing out game. We talked about it before on the show. We yeah, have. I'm sure multiple times. But don't do it if you're listening <laughs> at home. Definitely don't do it. It is a dangerous pastime. We've talked about this before that we've all had crazy experiences when we were young doing this mm-hmm. dumb thing. I had a whole lifetime in mine. Um, all right. So just to set up her story a little bit, her life. She's had a lot of crazy paranormal experiences, everything from haunting experiences to UFO encounters. You know, we've talked about this before. This happens with a lot of people who are major experiencers where there's seems to be a litany of phenomena. Mm-hmm. But this is her tale specifically related to a vision. I call this visions of murder. I was raised on a farm in Electra, Texas. 
But going back to around the age of seven, we went to my aunt's house in Vernon, Texas for Thanksgiving. I hated her house, especially her bedroom. Not because I saw anything, but just a bad feeling I had. My older cousins were playing something they called the pass out game, where they had me breathe hard several times and then held me a certain way. No telling how bad it is to your health. It's bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> but being a young kid, I allowed one of my cousins to hold me till I passed out. And although it only lasted a few seconds, it felt like I had awoken to standing in my aunt's bedroom. As I did this, I watched a man in overalls strangling a woman in her pajamas. She looked at me as the white parts of her eyes turned tinted red. I woke up in a fit and immediately ran to tell my mom what I saw. I admitted what we had been doing as it was more important to share what I saw rather than worry about being in trouble. And my aunt heard me retell what I saw. She replied to my mother how strange it was what I was saying and began to tell my mother and I how this old house had once been owned by a man known to be a drunk whom one day had his wife go missing. He had told everyone she left him to go back to her home state. And although there were suspicions, no one ever questioned it enough to investigate. I immediately knew that that was him and he had killed his wife. To this day, I believe I saw what really happened and recall it as one of my very first semi-paranormal experiences. Yeah, it's pretty heavy, you think? Well, it's weird that she was passed out by the same strangling. Oh, that's oh, a I good didn't even point. think about that. Weird. It's weird, yeah, that it's through strangling and then she sees that. And that kind of lends to what we were talking about earlier about when dreams, you have the subconscious. Not to say that you didn't see that, but right. it's not impossible, too, that because you were being choked. Oh, I saw a vision of that. It's like your brain playing it yeah. out. Or it could have been that man, some cross reality. On the flip side, it could have been a warning. Like, quit doing this. Right. This could happen to you. But it is interesting, depending on how much this man that she saw looked like the drunk that lived there, right. his wife disappeared or supposedly left. That is very strange. A very Stephen King story, yeah. isn't it? Does What's sound, that 19... It reminds me of that. I can't remember the, the date. of 17, maybe? Where he kills his wife and throws her down a well. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Yeah. Dark, Spoiler dark, alert. Dark. It's in the, like the beginning of the story. Oh, I thought that was a great movie. I didn't see it. I read uh, the short story, but I never saw the... Pretty creepy. I'm against movies starring farmers, so I skipped it. <laughs> I know. They should just work in the fields. We don't need a spotlight on those guys. They already get enough. Just kidding. We come from farmers. already get enough food for a lifetime. You're just sitting on food out there. They're such hoarders. <laughs> We're obviously joking. I very much support farmers. because We have farming in our blood. Literally bring us our food. We would all die without them. That's true. All right. Our next story. Jeremy, you want to read this one? This one comes from Dylan. If you're farming, thank you. This is called The Dark Boy. And this comes from Dylan. I was about 10 or 12 years old. I can't remember exactly since so much happened in that house. We lived in the house for about eight years in total. We rented the house from my dad's brother-in-law after they were in a horrible accident driving down to Mexico, where their kids sadly passed away when the truck rolled over. That's really sad. As soon as we moved in, strange things began to happen. As the years went on, we got used to the activities and it never got to the point to where we were afraid for our lives or anything like that. But I do have an experience that is engraved into my mind, and the best part is my twin brother saw the exact same thing. At this point, we were sleeping in the same bed because we were so scared of the house, but there were two beds in the room. One night, randomly, we both woke up at the same exact time. Then, we both saw a kid, darker than the room, walk in. 
I remember the moonlight lit up the room enough to where you could see the outlines of the furniture or even your hand in front of you, but a child walked in. Now remember, the family that lived there before us had a child pass away. The figure walked in, went across the room, went to the other bed, and then walked out. Me and my brother looked at each other to make sure we both saw it, and then we started screaming to our mom. She ran into the room, and we all slept together. I have many more stories from that house, like something punching through the shower curtain while I was home alone, and a toy that didn't work that suddenly started working without batteries. Anyway, I love the show. You guys are awesome and funny. Thank you. Yes, we are. Thanks for all you do, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. Fellow twin. Fellow twin. Thank you for sharing that. A very creepy account. Yeah. Never a good situation when you are so scared of a house that you're living in that family members start to bunk together. That's, that's always a sign. Creepy. That's always the third act of a horror film. Mm -hmm. By that yeah. point, everyone knows it's going on, and that's the and best you can at do. that point. You're always like, "Why don't you just leave?" Yeah, you know this comes up so much. I read a comment the other day. It was like, "I don't believe," and I get where he's coming from. He's like, "Anytime anyone says they just didn't leave after their house was haunted, how do you believe that?" But it is hard if you all your finances are tied up, and what do yeah. you? Where are you going to get that money to just move out and have two homes and try to transition between one? It's definitely hard. I mean, especially if it's winter, it's not like you'll go camping. And now if your kid's like getting possessed and thrown against the wall, it's different than like you're seeing creepy things and you feel uncomfortable right. and, you know, ominous. There's a lot we put up with as humans, rationalized. It's true. It's interesting, John. I just, I had this thought the other day because of this story, probably because I just had read it, but driving down the street all the time that we live on, there is a house on the corner. And I've always wondered why since we moved here, that family, young family about our age, they're always outside no matter the weather or day, they're outside sitting in chairs, talking, whatever their activity is. It's not like they're doing yard activities or anything. They're just, they're never in their home. And yesterday, for the first time, that thought popped into my head. What if their house is haunted? That's like, what if they're just so spending, ridiculous. What, why? <laughs> why are you not doing yard activities? No, I mean, just being like sitting outside. No, literally, it's almost every day. And it's not like they're sitting, they're sitting against the road in lawn chairs every day. Like, Probably a million other reasons yeah. besides the house. Name me one. It really just looks like they Maybe enjoy they being, like outside. being outside. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. It's they're not like fitted that. for it. They look like outdoorsy people. They always got their, their shades on. They got their drinks and coolers. Yeah, and you don't chairs. get what I'm saying. They have drinks and coolers? No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about, Jeremy. But it's part of the accoutrement of their situation. If you were seeing it, you would know what I'm saying. John, stick with me. They don't look scared. Stick they don't, with they're, me. They're not like staring at the house John, and stick chairs. stick with me. Do not, do not side with Jeremy. I have a better idea of what's going on. All right. Let's do, uh, let's do another tale here. John, will you read? This is uh, one of our more incredible stories I think we've had on the show. This one gets pretty heavy, too. And this is uh, involving an attempted summoning gone wrong. This comes to us from, uh, I don't know if he wants us to use his name, Matthew, or your mom thinks I'm hot 111. <laughs> Do you just say it's Matthew? It's funny, there's 111 other, your mom thinks I'm hot. Oh, 111. There's <laughs> actually 1,010 other ones. I get it. I was just making a statement. Okay. Well, I was young and dumb and was really into the occult, mystery schools and so on. Nothing really too dark or anything, just searching for that knowledge everyone wants to find. Because, you know, you just feel like there's something more out there. True. So it was me and my best bud at the time, and I had acquired this ancient grimoire. As I often would try to find them at old bookstores or antique shops. Pretty impressive. By the way, I will not tell you which book it was, because I truly believe this shit is real, and has real consequences. Anyways, we were reading through this grimoire and trying to summon a being, demon, or whatever, 
The mistake on our part, however, was that we were supposed to create a circle and summon a guardian before to protect us, but we didn't read that part until afterward. Always read the instructions. Yeah. yeah. So instantly after we tried this, it felt like everything changed. Like some dark heavy cloud just came over us. We brushed it off and proceeded to go out for the night, get drunk and play pool at the billiards. It wasn't more than five minutes walking to the pool hall that cops surrounded us and pulled their guns. They were accusing us of robbing a house, which never happened. They finally realized it wasn't us and let us go. So we got to the pool hall and proceeded to get tanked and have a good night, even though we were pretty freaked out. The next morning we both went to work. We worked at the same place. We got to work, walked in, and were fired on the spot. The company said they were downsizing. I'm really sorry guys, but uh, we're downsizing. Gotta let you go. At this point, I was like, what in the hell is going on? on? So we leave and start walking home. Our path was over this railroad bridge over the expressway. As we were walking, two men approached us on the bridge. One of them pulled out a gun and shot both of us in the leg and ran off. Holy crap. Yeah. We were bleeding out and had no other choice but to jump and hang from the railroad bridge down to the expressway to get help while blood was squirting out of our legs. We got down and I instantly passed out from the lack of blood and woke up in the hospital. I was there for three months because the bullet they used was a hollow point and it destroyed my leg. I had to go to therapy for years after that. Thanks guys for letting me share my true story and a really fucked up one. Man, Don't play with the dark stuff, it ain't worth it. Yikes, Matthew. I I do think I've always believed that you got to be really careful with some of this stuff. Yeah. I would say that is a creepypasta level crazy. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, you know, the first two things suck, but if the third one wouldn't have happened. Yeah. That could be bad luck. But yeah. What was the first thing that happened? They were mistaken for people that had robbed the house. That's pretty intense. That's very bizarre. It's like they keep getting in these life-threatening situations throughout the evening. Um, and you do hear this sort of stuff happening when you involve ritual stuff, like yeah. where you don't end a session every set at the beginning. Yeah. Like they didn't do the thing they were supposed to do, which right. is get that circle protection going. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it is a harder to I don't to know if tale. I would even rely on the circle of protection if I was trying to summon a demon. <laughs> no. I just wouldn't be summoning a demon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the uh, level, I mean, when you're a kid, I get you do some crazy stuff. At my age though, I'm not summoning any demons. I feel like that is a <laughs> That's little. That's something you do in high school. We also feel like who's, who are you? To like, well, yeah, be doing like the chances you're going to be able to wrangle that thing. I guess as I'm older, I'm less ambitious. I mean, you look at Crowley, who he spent a long time practicing to do these quote unquote the correct way, and he messed it up. So I think like if you're just doing it on a Sunday before you go to the bowling alley, messing it up. (laughs) What I'm saying is there is a there are rules you're supposed to follow. That's what I'm even messing it up. I mean, obviously it's dangerous no matter what. Well, yeah, I don't I don't know if there's like a right way to summon a demon is what I'm saying. Right. Well, yeah. Well, you mean you mean like could it ever be positive? I think it's going to end badly no matter what right yeah yeah so don't do it kids don't do it kiddos please unless you're bored we don't need more demons here chris the one time you get off the fence you're on the wrong side (laughs) i'm not on any fence here hey you're right john as usual this older brother's law (laughs) it does supersede a lot of reality (laughs) just is easier that way okay this next story uh i'm excited to do this one comes from my oldest best friend brian and his lady he's very old 
oldest best friend. He's not. He's my age. <laughs> the way that you say that. He's the though. oldest of your best he's friends. <laughs> You're like my <laughs> oldest best friend. I'm he's in, 72. <laughs> your first best friend. Yes, kindergarten. Him and his lady, Dina Eltervug, who has an awesome Norwegian last name. Eltervug. It's an awesome name. Is that Norwegian? Yeah. Oh, really? She's like 100%. Well, Scandinavian. Is it Norwegian? I think. I'm pretty sure. Either way, cool people. Yes. Very awesome people. Yes. Much love. This is a story that happened to them in Mayo, Michigan, which is a very remote area in the Upper Peninsula. And it's an interesting area. He told me recently, this area is known for a lot of strange activity, a lot of, you know, weird creature sightings, Bigfoot. There's a Bigfoot lodge up there. So a lot of stuff. A lot of UFO sightings as well. Air Force Base nearby there too? We'll hear the story here, but I researched other accounts in the area. There's a lot in the Upper Peninsula, a lot yeah. of unexplained phenomena, UFO reports. We'll link that stuff in the show notes if you want to look into your own corroboration, guys, well, but interesting. And one of the reasons why is because, as Brian says several times, the clarity of the sky and the atmosphere there, the lack of light pollution, it makes for a beautiful stargazing experience. And that's what they're doing when they have their experience as they're traveling up to the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. Sounds awesome. Let's give it a listen. Mayo, Michigan, it's very dark, no light pollution, or very little. One of the darkest places in Michigan. There's only about 8,000 people in 500 square miles. Maybe each town has one stoplight. It's the best place I've ever stargazed before. It's so much different if you're in an area that dark, you can see that much, and just naked eye, even standing next to a campfire like we were, you can look up and you'll see a satellite zipping across the sky, easy. Stuff like that. And what always baffles me is like when you look up and you realize you just looked at the sky for just a few seconds and saw something. Just the odds of that happening in that amount of time that you were paying attention, I think is pretty cool. The landscape changes greatly in two to two and a half hour drive from our place straight up. It's a different world. It's a different world. It's like all pines, birch, sand, all the rivers are cold. The wildlife is amazing. There's bears. It's all right there. It's just a trip. You literally see it change as you drive up, especially once you get to a certain point. I've driven around up there before when it was late at night, and even with like great headlights, you get a feel for how dark it is. So we had just gotten up there, it was a week ago today, and where we were staying is in like Huron National Forest area. So it's a bunch of protected land, and this cabin is just down a a sand road with maybe 10 other cabins that are pretty well spaced out over this bluff over top of the river. Over Big Creek? Big Creek, which is a tributary, a spring-fed tributary off of the Osable River, which is widely known in Northern Michigan. So anyway, when it gets nighttime, even with a fire going, the sky is just vivid. We just arrived, we were there a couple hours, got to be nighttime, had seen a shooting star here, shooting star there. Mm -hmm. You know, we were starting to get to the point where like your neck gets sore because you're just kind of just looking. Yeah, I didn't want to look down. You don't. Once you start seeing (laughs) stuff, you can see the Milky Way nebula, you can see the clouds of gas and stuff up there. So I think that contributed to why we were looking up in the first place. Mm -hmm. I think for the first half hour or so, we see a satellite here, a satellite there. I saw a shooting star and I thought that was going to be the highlight of my night. We had been looking up at the sky for probably a half hour to 45 minutes before things started to get really weird. 
So earlier in the night, before it had even gotten to that point where we were just only looking up, I heard a jet. And not like a commercial plane, like a a fighter jet. You know, if you've ever been to a Blue Angels show or something, you know what they sound like. They have a distinct jet sound and they're cooking across the sky. So I heard one earlier and it was really just one, but you couldn't miss it. Now it's dark, we're sitting around the fire, almost backing up from the fire a little bit and letting the fire go down just so we can see the sky better. Mm -hmm. So it was just basically embers at this point. We heard fighter jets again and we were able to see them way up. You can see them and you know, like a commercial jet, you know, it would be by Mm -hmm. itself. So we were able to look up and see three jets in the same little box frame of our vision. They were close together and they're moving pretty good. But what ended up actually happening was as we're watching the jets, we noticed these two blinking little specks in the sky coming the other direction. But what I want to point out is the blink. What I'm noticing is that the blinks aren't in rhythm. It's not like blink, 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 blink. It's not like that. It's more like blink, 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 you know. And we've all seen shooting stars before. We know that when they hit, they kind of burn up, they leave a little tail, and they're gone. It's like a blink of an eye kind of thing. So this wasn't that. It was two very clear things moving across the sky that had these sort of intermittent blinks that looked man-made because they were like clearly blinks and not shimmers but it was around those fighter jets now i i haven't like taken my eyes off this frame of the sky and i wasn't sure if she had or hadn't so one of those little blinking things when we first saw what it did we said exploded i missed the first one you saw it the first one did exactly the same exact thing that the second one did it went from this little blinking piece of sand running across the sky to a probably five times larger perfect circle of orangey ball of flame but but not flame fireball like Like a fireball but like a perfectly circled Mm -hmm. fireball and was gone and then disappeared totally gone and then the next one right behind it did the exact same thing just a few seconds later, same thing, boom. Like a little circle in the sky, visibly orange. There was no tail or anything that would suggest that it shot in a direction. Whatever those little things were, they just like blew up or burned up, but they didn't like like trickle down to the, and nothing, nothing. And these two things, just perfect little orangey circles, like a flash of an eye and then gone. So that was weird. And the, you know, I remember the jets just kind of being around for like a little bit after that. Mm -hmm. And then not at all. So wherever they went, they were gone. And they were not in formation after. When I looked up, they were all in different directions as if they were, you know, one of us has to find this. (laughs) You know, the one statement I told Chris when I first told him a little bit about this was that I saw it happen and I thought, I was so excited that Dina had seen it because I wasn't just me. I wasn't going to have to sit there and try to explain all this. And we were both beside ourselves for a good while. I did the whole, I was sitting. I did the, like the slow motion rise from your seat, (laughs) like Vivica A. Fox, Independence Day, getting out of the car. Right. (laughs) I slow motion got up 
it was just one of those moments in your life where you, you just can't believe it. And my first thought, I'm so glad I wasn't the only one to see this. In that respect, it was extra cool because we both had the same thing that we saw to talk about. I guess the thing I take away most from this experience is being able to relate to all of those other people that have had a similar experience. I now know what they feel like. And I never thought I would have that feeling ever, ever. Because, you know, hearing so many accounts of so many different things, you become a complete convert when you see something yourself. Seeing this was just completely unexplainable. I think that the reason there were jets in the air were to pay attention to what these things were. That would be my take, was I, I think we had a legitimate sighting of some sort. You know, there wasn't some extra special crazy thing that really capped this off. It's really just our description and that's it. I feel like for a lot of people, it probably does happen that fast where they're just left down to their own words to tell you what they saw and how they just knew it was something different. I think that's what we saw. and. We'll keep looking. Keep on looking, Brian. <laughs> keep your eyes to the skies. It's funny because, I mean, this is something he's wanted to experience his whole life. Yeah. You know, when we were in third grade in 93, I remember we would go in the backfield and point flashlights in the sky trying to track the attention of, you know, the alien craft. They just got the message several decades later. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. It is funny. Speaking of like calling it to you, they did say, and there's more of this interview maybe we'll have in like during the music on the out or something. But um, they did say that like four days before they were passing a Air Force base, I think closer to where they live. And Dina said something like she put her hand up and she was like, I just want to see a UFO. <laughs> and then they're thinking about it later. And they're like, I wonder if that was some sort of. She summoned it. The summoning of it, you know. She's Stephen Greer. Stephen did. Greer, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We have an open invite to go to that cabin anytime and spend some time up there. It's supposed to be magical. Oh, let's do it. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, yes. Yeah, congratulations. They just had a baby, little Gloria. Gloria King. Glowing Gloria. How long ago was the baby before the sighting? Oh, that's a good question. You're not suggesting that the new, new child. Be. <laughs> John's eyes are wide like, wait, I'm, this happened. I really want to think it's an alien. This is another little synchronicity here. Uh, it happened on the 13th, which is today. But mm. it happened in the month. Oh, I should ask him. Was it nine months ago? What's nine months ago? Computer, what's nine months ago? There's no computer, <laughs> computer. here. <laughs> oh. The Enterprise. Nine months ago. What happens if I Google that? June. It was in the summer. It could have been June. What if their baby is a star I, child? I'm seriously thinking that's what it is. It could be. I, For I, sure. You know what's funny, dude? <laughs> I see the joke on <laughs> your face. Sure. But what's funny is in the interview, John, you asked him that. You were like, you know, maybe you've been abducted Wait, your whole it, life. Yeah. In the interview, he asked him? Mm -hmm. But they weren't pregnant during the interview. I know. So why would he ask? Like maybe you were put together to have a child. Oh, and then he, really? they did. John asked that? I bet you that seeing that UFO was like, we need to make a baby together. If you see a UFO with someone that you're close with, you're that's the rule, John. You're like this has no, to happen. We were destined to make children. <laughs> Obviously, we're seeing this together. We need to make little UFO babies. <laughs> Sounds completely right. Well, thank you for sharing your story. We need to get yeah. to our thank yous. Oh this. yeah, thank you to everyone who shared your stories with us. Yes. Um, they're fantastic. Absolutely, um, we treasure every each and every one. And uh, again, check out our listener stories archive on the website to hear even more stories that haven't made it to air. And we will continue reporting these stories to you guys and researching our corroboration form. So thank you so much. Don't forget to sign up for the expansion and check out Jeremy's episode on the deep dive into worm nights and frozen people. Sure, <laughs> it's not how I would put it, but okay. <laughs> yeah, guys, check it out. It's gonna be really interesting, really fun. Yes.
On that note, we have some thank yous. Yes, thank you to our expansion members. And if you would like to be thanked on the show, we're catching up on these guys. We know if you haven't heard your name yet, hang on. It's coming. So sign up, guys, to hear extra bonus episodes two times, at least two times the amount of episodes as our regular feed. When we drop an episode, we also drop an expansion episode. And if you want to hear your name right on the show as a thank you, sign up for an extra couple bucks, $7. It really does help us for the uh, Black Eyed Cool Kid tier. Yeah, we have some a la carte special things that we're going to be having up on the site. People have definitely requested these stingers and the music to come back. So if you're interested in picking up one of those, definitely head over to bleefold.com. If you haven't heard yet, we used to do songs for people. So you'd write in and people would tell us a little bit about themselves, you know, what they like, hobbies and stuff like that. And then I would create a minute and a half long song. Beautiful and amazing. (laughs) Unforgettable. Seriously, very, very good. If you haven't heard them. Fully produced little musical special And we had to stop doing them because they were so popular and they took so much time. Right. And now they're back, but they're a la carte because that makes more sense since it's a singular kind of creation. The music is $300 per song. What? It's a lot, but it's it's a seriously, (laughs) it's a lot of work for me. So I have to make it so that not everyone can just buy them. Right. It would be hard. And we do have another stinger option that's shorter. It's just more of like a ear candy extravaganza. Mm -hmm. Thank you, stinger. That's going to be 135. Is that right? I think so. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Check it on the site. You'll yeah. see the prices. There's some there, but... other stuff coming up. If you just want to check out the a la carte stuff, we've got a new logo coming. Yeah. We're going to have some new merch. We got a lot of stuff on. Yeah. We got beard oil. Excellent. Oh, we, we um, haven't announced that yet. We're super excited shush, about that. Shush, shush. No, yeah, people will be a little curious. Okay. Yeah. Beard Stay oil. Stay tuned for that. We have some bearded men listening to this one, I'm sure. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Stick ben. around for that announcement. In partnership with one of our great friends. Awesome man. Fan of the show. Super talented beard oil creator. I guess we're kind of talking about it. We could mention it. It's just the preview, preview, preview. Okay. We'll definitely, this will be expanded upon greatly in the future as, as we get closer to the release. Yeah. But we're just teasing it right now because we are very excited about it. We're going to be doing like video messages for mm-hmm. special occasions for people. Belief whole research artifacts, which would be a book used actually in the show with our, with my grubby fingerprints all over dog ears and, uh, you know, our outlines and notes in there and a message written from us, just stuff like that. that can help support the show. That could be kind of cool. Um, memorabilia, uh, for anyone who's interested. People that really like what we do. Yeah. And that's you. If you're still listening, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to some thank yous. Some special thank yous. Don't forget, sign up at the $7 level from here on out to hear your name read at the end of an episode. Super duper. Oh, new music. Is this a new, are we going to do this one? I say we do it. All right, let's do it. <laughs> this is going to be weird, guys. Yes. This is different. Awesome. I, how I feel about it. All right, thank you to... <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, boy. here new we music. go. Thank you to Ariel Fox. Ooh. Yeah. Get in the coop. Get those chickens. Thank you to Jessica Brazel. Welcome, Jessica Brazel. What are you doing down with 007, Mr. Brazel? Huh? I don't know. I don't get that at all. Let's continue. Sorry, Jessica. Thank you, Tom Hill. We won't die on you. Wow. <laughs> For a topic. Not a hill to die on, but a hill to befriend because he's a great guy. Thank you to Perry. Simonson. Simonson. Perry Simonson. The son of Simon. Thank you, sir. Welcome to the hole. You are loved here. This has a very chill vibe compared to yeah. the last music we used. Okay. Welcome to the hole. Casey. Casey. Casey casey has got some songs to sing. You are a dream for me. <laughs> Welcome to Adrian Jones. Adrian Jones. Welcome to be here, Adrian. Welcome to be here, Adrian. Thank you for the support. Yes, I'm recovering your satellite. Don't forget about Sarah Arbelez. Arbelez? Arbelez. I'm totally mispronouncing that, but it's a fantastic <laughs> Thank name. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you to Tyler Young. Tyler. I feel like you've been here before, but if you haven't, you're welcome just the same. Welcome back if you have. You make me feel young every day, Tyler. Yes, you do. 
Ashley Brown is here, everybody. My favorite Ashley, color. you are the perfect compliment to Brown. <laughs> Ashley Brown, okay. <laughs> Welcome in, Ashley. Well done. Yes. We love you. Jamie Gould. Aw. There yes. she is, guys. Yes. Jamie Gould. Or he. Yes. Jamie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jamie's a gender neutral name, so I'm not sure which one you are, but either way, you are a beautiful person and loved in the whole. Excellent. Hi, me. Yes. Hi, me, Gold. Awesome. <laughs> Amanda Duvall. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for coming <laughs> in. Duvall. <laughs> we just keep saying welcome over and over. Welcome. Excellent. Welcome. Thank you to be here. Yes. Thank you to be here. Is Robert your father? Okay, I wasn't going to go there. I'm sure she gets that all the time. Whitney Baker, make me some yummy bread because you're in the hole. Whitney Baker, better thank her. Mm. Ooh, good one. Because she's here. That's better. Excellent. Thank you for being here, Whitney. We love you. And finally, last but definitely not least... Thank you to Michael Simo. Awesome. Michael Simo. Yes. Michael Simo. Yes. yes. Welcome to the hole. Did you know that you're yes. our favorite Excellent. expansion member today? Awesome. Did you know yes. that you're Did our you know? hero? All right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while to get right. used to the this, flow of this new music. This but music is definitely different. It's growing on me. I don't know. I have another one coming. Okay, let's try another one next time. Yeah. <laughs> that one isn't quite the right vibe. It doesn't quite have the energy. No. That the, it's uh, a little too laid back. Yeah, it is. Well, you guys who got your thank yous over that piece of music are very fortunate because that's a unique experience. It's like when Michael Jordan wore like number 13 a couple games a long time what ago. What a synchronicity. <gasps> it's listener story number 13. Damn, that's weird, yeah. And the Brian and Dina were abducted on the 13th of June so they could have a baby. That is weird. <laughs> that's literally <laughs> what happened. And speaking of Brian and Dina's story, stick around. Yeah, I think I might throw some little outtakes there in the outro music. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be fun. Mm -hmm. That about wraps it. Yeah, guys, we hope you enjoyed that deep dive into the strange world that we live in uh, from the view of the belief hole. Absolutely. And if you want to get even stranger and consider the possible reality all around us that you are missing every day by not paying attention. Yeah, why would you wait two more weeks to get another show when there's point. a whole layer of new content waiting for you? A layer and a layer. A whole juicy treasure trove. All right, guys. Well, thank you for being here. We love you. And we'll see you next time on Belief Hole. Hey, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy that lives up there, well, it's his cabin. But when we brought this up to him that night, he mentioned something about a conversation he had had with somebody up there. I don't know what they were talking about, but it was mostly just sky observing and stuff. And I guess this guy was, you ever kind of like, you ever see anything up there? You know? <laughs> and Kelly's like, you know, yeah, here and there or whatever. And he's like, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> sort of just this insinuation of like, that's yeah, a dark area. We, uh, whew. We'll see some things, you know. <laughs>thing I paid the most attention to was the rhythm of those blinking lights on these things because if they were perfect I'd have been able to count it and I would have known that it was like one two Being a yeah. yeah oh I mean I, I didn't want to say that but like I would have picked up on you know I would have played a beat in my head to the blinking <laughs> um, it's, it really is well that's good kind of anecdotal evidence for some you're a trained yeah. observer of rhythm that would be if I could <laughs> be of any value it'd be like no <laughs> This nope, is off he's time. Off. He's off. <laughs> right. So I knew that they weren't blinking in perfect time, which made it more interesting because they were blinking. 
we kind of derailed the the hangout for a bit. You know, I think our buddy was, you know, he wanted to catch up and talk about other stuff. And she and I were sitting there just like, did yeah, you? He had gone like, inside. Like, how many did you see? And this and that. And then we were just like this for the rest of the night. Like, no he more He said, jets. do you want me to get you some lawn chairs and you can sleep out here? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and he, I felt he went inside. Kelly had gone inside to do something. Oh, and he missed. Yeah. 